Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Amen. You guys can take a seat. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors at Revision. I'm excited to be here this morning. How about you? All right. If you're here for the very first time, you picked a great Sunday to show up because we are kicking off a brand new series this morning on prayer called Talking to the Ceiling. Because let's be real, sometimes when you're trying to talk to God, it feels like you're just talking to the ceiling, right? I know I'm not the only one who's felt that way, and it can be super intimidating because God's not audibly speaking back to us, and he's not regularly doing exactly what we asked him to do, and he's impossibly big. He's transcendent. He's the creator of the universe. If you go look at, at the beauty and vastness of all creation, you can't help but realize Man can't do this. Like I look inside me and there's nothing in me that's ocean-like. There's nothing in me that's Everest-like. And frankly, there's nothing in me that feels big enough to be noticed or seen by the one who dreamed all that up and spoke it into being. So it's weird and difficult to even think about communicating with God. And not only that, when I read the Bible, some of God's most famous conversations with people look absolutely nothing like my prayer life. He spoke from a burning bush. He spoke from a cloud of smoke. He spoke through a donkey. I don't know about you. I've never heard a donkey talk. I don't want to either. Like, A, I don't like animals. I'm an avid endorsement. But B, I think hearing a donkey talk would freak me out so much I would need new pants. I've also never been grilling in my backyard and thought, hey, if I douse the landscaping with lighter fluid and toss in a match, maybe God will show up and tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. And yet, yet, we all know people. You know people. I know people who said the phrase, God told me, Fill in the blank. I've said it, and I've meant it when I said it, but if we're honest, I think our first blush response to hearing the phrase, God told me, is to raise an eyebrow. Like, God told me, like, who told you? Todd told you? What did Todd tell you? No, God told me. Like, G-O-D, God? Yeah. Like, not only is that a difficult premise to start with, but often what follows doesn't sound like anything God would say at all. It just sounds like exactly what that person wanted to hear. And one time when I was doing youth ministry, I had this kid who had a crush on a girl for the longest time, and he came up to me very sincerely and honestly, and he says, Mike, I was praying, and God told me she's supposed to be my wife. So I had to break it to him. I don't think God told her, man, and that's a big part of it. In fact, it's a, it's a necessary part of it, so... It's just rough sometimes to figure out what God's saying and what God isn't. No matter what you think of all that, whether you've heard from God and followed his leading before or you don't think you ever have, whether you grew up Baptist, Catholic, Lutheran, Pentecostal, atheist, or anything else, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you're, you're new to this whole Jesus journey, or you're a skeptic. You're going, Mike, I, I barely showed up here today. Someone dragged me in, and I don't know what I think about any of this. No matter where you're at or what your story may be, I want you to hear this. God wants to talk to you. It's true. The creator of the universe, 
the one who spoke and and galaxies exploded into the night sky, the one who breathed life into the nostrils of mankind, the one who said words and all that is came to be wants to use the same mouth that created the universe to speak to you. And when I say speak to you, I don't just mean at you, I mean with you. God wants to know you and be known by you in an intimate and transformational way. And if you're anything like me, maybe the next few weeks of talking about how we can start speaking to God and hearing from him are gonna be really valuable for you because your prayer life could use a shot in the arm. It could use a boost. It could use a reinvigoration because you're maybe not taking full advantage of this incredible resource that's right at your fingertips. And that's an easy place to find yourself. And you guys remember the movie Castaway? If you've never seen it, I'm about to spoil it for you. Hard. But it's 23 years old, so don't come to me after the service and be like, we were going to watch it tonight. We were going to stop at Blockbuster on the way home. Stop it. I don't want to hear it. In the movie Castaway, Tom Hanks plays this guy that works for FedEx, and his plane crashes, and he gets marooned on an island for a number of years. And so he opens all the packages that crashed with him to kind of help him survive, and one of them's a volleyball that he names Wilson. It becomes his best friend, because it turns out even if you're alone on an island, you need friends. But there's one package that he doesn't open the entire time. And then at the very end of the movie, after he's finally rescued, he goes and delivers the package, because he's a loyal FedEx man. And we never learn what was inside it, but a few years ago during the Super Bowl, FedEx let us know. Check it out. Hi. Hi. I was marooned on an island for five years with this package. I swore that I would deliver it to you because I work for FedEx. That's very admirable. Thank you. By the way, what's in the package? Oh, nothing really. Just a satellite phone, GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier, and some seeds. Just silly stuff. Thank you again. You keep up the good work. I'd have had a breakdown right there on the porch. Can you even imagine? But hear me out on this, I think legitimately that is exactly the situation most of us are in with prayer. It's available to us the very thing we desperately need to live the lives our souls desperately long to live is at our fingertips and we just kind of leave it in the box unopened. And so what I want to do for the next few weeks over the course of this series is talk about how we can open up that box and how we can begin to engage a resource God has available to bring life to us 24-7, 365. And I want to challenge you right at the beginning of the series not to find yourself getting caught up asking the question, do I know that already? Because you probably do. I got nothing revolutionary to say to you, almost ever up here. Instead, ask the question, do I do that regularly? Because that just might be the question that completely transforms our lives. So first things first, what is prayer? Prayer is communication with the creator in any form. 
Really simply, prayer is communication with the Creator, and that's unbelievable and mind-blowing. The, the God who invented the universe actually cares about you and me enough to allow us to communicate with Him and enough to communicate back. But even though that's super cool, it's still really hard to do. It's okay to admit that. If it makes you feel any better, it's difficult for me to do, and I am a professional Christian. I think there are like a lot of reasons why we struggle with prayer, but in my experience, these are some of the biggest ones. The first one is we just don't know how. Like, how do I even start praying? What are the words that I'm supposed to say, and how do I address God? I once heard a guy on a stage call him, oh, great and merciful, omnipotent one. Is that like his formal title? Do I have to say that if he's going to hear me? What do, what do I even talk to him about? I got some stuff rolling around in my mind, but I don't know if it's legal to talk to God about those things, and how loud do I have to talk for him to hear me? He's pretty old. We just, we just don't know how. Second reason we struggle, we get distracted when we try to pray. This is me every single day of my life. I start praying, I get in this good rhythm, I'm like thanking God for blessings in my life, and a minute in, my brain goes, I'm hungry. Also, I did not change the laundry. The shirts are going to be wrinkly and Jenny's going to be so mad. I should check the Bulls score, see if they're winning, so I can pray for them if they're not winning. Not that last part, but the rest of it is how I pray. It's difficult to keep our minds focused on a God we can't see or audibly hear. And the third thing I think we struggle with when it comes to prayer is just thinking that our requests are too insignificant. Like, this can't possibly matter to God. He's, he's got a ton to deal with right now. World War III is about to start. And here in America, we got two dudes who were super old four years ago running against each other for president again. That's a lot. That's a lot that God's concerned with. I don't think he cares about my stuff. And I don't want to bug God with it. And then something in the back of our minds tells us, if I, if I don't bring it to him, then he doesn't have to think about it or know it. Which isn't true, but we convince ourselves that it is. And then last, but certainly not least, we doubt it makes a difference. Like deep down, we just wonder if it makes any impact at all when we come before God and talk to him because we've tried it in the past and he hasn't answered or at least he hasn't shown up in the way that we desperately hoped he would show up and not just on the, the wild stuff like the unicorn we prayed for for our fifth birthday, but the big, heavy, meaningful stuff, the health stuff and the job stuff and the relationship Stuff And he knows better than us anyway, so he's going to do his thing, and he certainly hasn't been doing our thing, and so we wonder whether it even makes a difference, whether it's worth the time that we're putting in to show up and communicate with them. Let me be real. I think for people who have been following Jesus for a long time, this is a big one. Like, if I gave you a test right now, and I made everybody just this one-question test, yes or no answer, does prayer matter? I think most of you could get the right answer. And most of you might even believe that you believe the right answer. But here's the deal. If you're not praying, if you're not praying regularly and you're not praying deeply, if your prayer life is, is somewhere between like lackluster to, to non-existent, then you don't actually believe it makes a difference. Your life is the evidence of that. And it's easy to walk with Jesus for a very long time in a way that's dry 
and empty with prayer lives that simply aren't effective because we don't believe in them. And so whatever it is for you, if it's one of those four reasons or some combination of them, or if it's something entirely different, the truth is that all of us struggle sometimes to pray in the way God invites us to pray and it leaves us dry. We've got a resource at our fingertips that God promises will bring life and we don't always use it. And so this morning, I want to talk about how we can begin to re-engage that resource, how we can take it out of the box and start to use it in a powerful way. If prayer is communication with a creator who wants to communicate with you, how do you start that conversation? If you've got a Bible or a Bible handy, you can open it up to Psalm 5. It's almost dead center. It's one of my favorite passages about prayer. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along with the words on the screen. And if you need one or your kids do, please take one from the Next Steps area in the back. They're free. They're a gift to you. We love it when they disappear. But in Psalm 5, here's what we got. We have David journaling a prayer kind of in the form of a song. And so he, he writes this, this song as a way of communicating with this creator, as a way of praying. And right at the very beginning of it, it says, for the director of music, for pipes. And so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning, something we've never done at Revision before. But Scott's actually going to come back up and play the piccolo while I sing Psalm 5 to you because we shoot for nothing if not authenticity at Revision Church. So... I don't even see him. I should have told him beforehand. I guess, I guess I'll just read it. (laughs) Let's not, let's not do it. All right, David writes, or David sings, listen to my words, Lord, consider my size. I wanna press pause real quick and point out something unique. Like David kicks off this prayer in a really normal way. He asks God to listen. He says, hey, this is really important to me. Would you please hear me as I pray. But then he writes something kind of weird. He says, consider my size. Some translations say, consider my groans. And what David's saying is, God, I'm in a place right now where I don't have a lot to bring to the table. I don't even know if I can come up with the words that I need to say in the middle of this pain. So can you just please hear the heart between, behind my sighing? And what David's saying is that, that sighing is communicating. And you may never have thought about sighing as a way of praying before. But I can tell you this with 100% certainty, and every married dude in the room will back me up, sighing is a very effective method of communication. When I'm sitting with Jenny, or more often when I'm out with Jenny in public and I hear, that's not subtle. I know exactly what it means. And when you've known somebody for a really long time, you start to learn the different sighs that they have. Like the I'm frustrated sigh, or I'm furious sigh, or like the I'm so embarrassed by you, I want to crawl in a hole sigh. Or even like the I'm really happy and contented right now sigh. Like when you know someone intimately, sighing becomes a pretty effective form of communication. And so what Psalm 5 is telling us is that prayer is meant to be intimate, deep, relational communication. 
And David continues in verse 2. He says, hear my cry for help, my king and my God, for to you I pray. And this is another verse that seems simple, but there's something profound in here I want us to notice. David talks to the one who invented everything and calls him my king, my God, mine. I think sometimes God's transcendence is intimidating. We treat him like when we're praying, we're like entering into his holy space that's so other from our space. It's, it's like probably annoying to him and he, he doesn't want us to be there. And, and so we're nervous about it. And here's David talking to God like an intimate, deep relationship with the creator of the universe is not just possible, it's real in his life. And he goes on in verse three and says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Audience participation moment. In the morning, God does what? Hears his voice. I want you to all say that, all right? I'm gonna say in the morning, and I want you to repeat back to me, you hear my voice. You ready? In the morning. Take a minute and think about how ridiculous that is. Eight billion people on the planet, and David says, in the morning, you hear my voice. Not just like noise, and you don't just know that I'm like talking, like when your kid is telling you a story, and you're like, ah, like that's not it. God hears us, hears us. And in response to that, David again does something that a lot of us don't do. He treats prayer a little bit differently than we treat it. He says, I'm gonna lay it all out there. I'm throwing out all my requests to you, and then, all right, then I'm going to wait for your response. I'm going to sit and, and wait to hear you back because you promised me you'll respond and you have never failed me yet. David's like, I know who you are, so I know you're going to move because you have moved in the past, in my life and in the life of the people around me. Because you promise me you listen when I pray. I can wait, not passively, but actively and expectantly with a whole lot of hope because I know you're a God who moves. See, David's communication is built on God's character. He communicates based on the character of God, and so he can wait in a different way than we're used to waiting. He can wait like God is going to show up. It may not be how I wanted. It may not be how I thought he was going to show up. It may not be what I expected. It may even be something I don't understand. But he will move, and so I will wait. Like, do you pray like that? I don't always pray like that. But what if we did, though? We're meant to pray like that. God says we're created to have the kind of intimacy with him where we communicate with him and have confidence that he's going to communicate back, even if it isn't the way we expected or envisioned. And what I want to do now is just get real pragmatic with what that looks like, with how all of us can do exactly what David was doing in Psalm 5. But before we get there, it's important to know the methods we use to communicate with the Creator. 
like the way that we pray is going to be a little bit different for every single one of us. I have four kids. I have to communicate and interact with each one of them differently because none of them are the same. And it's super frustrating. It's one of the worst moments in your life as a parent when you have a second kid and like you just got to the point where you thought, maybe I'm not terrible at this. I'm not being awful, dad. I know how to interact with this thing. And the second one is totally different. And everything you thought you knew goes out the window and you're like, why isn't it the same? But that's life. My kids, even the two that look exactly alike, aren't the same. So if twins are different, everybody's different. And the way that you communicate with the people around you isn't the same as the way everyone else in this room communicates with the people around them. The way you communicate with God isn't going to be the same as the way everyone else in this room communicates with God. So we got to come to the point where we realize it's a little bit more customizable than our emoji collection would let us believe. Like prayer does not mean kneeling at the side of your bed with your hands pressed together like this. Some of you are wordsmiths. You love to write. You can journal a prayer. You can type a prayer. Some of you love music. There are probably a lot of people in this room who would say, my favorite way of connecting with God is singing worship songs. That's prayer. Psalm 5, and so many of the psalms are evidence that, that that's prayer. You can sing your prayers. Some of you shouldn't ever sing your prayers, ever. God doesn't deserve that, even if he's nice. I remember as a kid growing up, we used to sing this song in church and at camp. It says, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king, in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. And it might have been a beautiful song, but I felt like such a little hypocrite singing that in church. I was like, it's not sweet. God's nice, but he's not dumb. Whatever is coming out of, of my mouth is not a sweet sound to God or anybody. And so you don't have to sing your prayers, even if you read a psalm that says, for the director of music. All right, so you can sing your prayers, you can write your prayers, you can say your prayers, you can journal your prayers. But also, sometimes life in this shattered universe knocks us off our feet, and we can't find it inside of us to muster up any of that doesn't mean we can't still pray. If we learn one thing from Psalm 5 this morning, let it be this, groans are prayers. Tears are prayers. Cries are prayers. Sighs are prayers. Because you're communicating with the creator and he knows your heart. In fact, we have this incredible promise in Romans chapter eight, verse 26. It says, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. A couple of thoughts. Groans are prayers even for the Holy Spirit. And two, there are gonna be times in every single one of our lives where we don't have the words and what we know is that God has them for us. And so when you can do nothing else, God invites you to just come before him and be. Just come before him and cry. That's okay. That's a way to pray. And come before him and let him know when you're happy. If you got a funny joke, tell God. God's really funny. He's probably heard your joke before, but he will be cool about it. Just tell him. Let him know how you're doing and figure out how to do two things. Number one, set aside regular meaningful time to connect with him every day. And number two, pray continually throughout your day, just like you would with any human being you want to have an intimate, close relationship with. You got to carve out time on your calendar to make it a priority 
and you got to communicate all the time. And I think sometimes in our minds, those don't flow together well. But like the Bible says, I'm, I'm supposed to set aside time to connect with God, but it also says pray without ceasing. Like, how does that work? But in practice, those two things flow together really beautifully. Although we got to be careful, it's one-way traffic. One of them flows into the other, the other one doesn't flow back. Let me explain. People who regularly carve out space, like they put it on their daily calendar to connect with God, generally find that communicating with God is something that just happens for them all the time. People who only pray on the go, who, who only ever squeeze it in, where they're like, God, please help me make this green light. I'm late for work. God, please help me pass this test. Lord, could you just bless my family today? And I'll be clear, those are good prayers. Keep praying those prayers. All prayers are all right prayers. Tell God what's going on in, in your life. But people who only ever pray like that tend not to find that praying on the run flows into deep, meaningful, intimate connection with God. It's just like a marriage. Like if you prioritize one another, you tend to communicate better 24-7. If you don't, and you're only having transactional conversations with one another, that doesn't generally lead to prioritizing each other. Let me put it this way. I have yet to meet a single individual who has a meaningful transformational prayer life who doesn't set aside regular time to connect with God. It just is. And so we need to engage God, because God invites us to engage him, and we miss out if we don't. And look, I know schedules are busy. Like, I know. It's unbelievable how busy we are, but I'm convinced if we're not going to miss out, if we're not going to live dry lives with dry faith and never take advantage of the gift that God's given us to fill us up and give us life, then we're too busy not to pray. Life is draining and difficult, and God wants to fill our souls with his presence and his love, and we find that in connection with him. You guys, we're way too busy not to pray. And so find time to connect with God, and then also talk to him informally throughout the day. The creator of the universe wants to talk to you, take him up on the offer. And as you do, as you begin to make this a lifestyle, as you step into the blessings God has for you in it, I have just four really simple principles for praying this morning. All right, the first one is this, be honest. Be real and be raw. You don't have to fake it for God. I think sometimes, like, depending on the tradition we grew up in, especially, we get this idea that prayer is really formal and we have to say the right words or the magic words in the right order and, and the right way or else it is not going to count. And so we're just not ourselves when we're communicating with God. And this happens even to me. Sometimes I find myself hanging out with friends and we're watching a game and then the food gets delivered and we got to bless the nachos because you don't want to take a chance eating nachos that aren't blessed, whatever that means. And then we go from like, oh, that's a crazy catch. They stink so bad to like, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come before thee today in gratitude for the bountiful blessings that have been laid before us and for this fellowship. Amen. I think God's like, what just happened? <laughs> right? Like, it's, we don't got to fake it, but sometimes we, we fake it because it's got to be all formal. And sometimes we fake it because we don't want God to know what's going on in our lives. 
We're worried that he's going to be disappointed in us or be mad at us. So we only show God the same stuff we show our Instagram followers, like the cropped, edited, filtered version. The problem is he knows already. He knows, and he invites us to be authentic. In fact, the only time Jesus ever criticized prayer in the Bible is when it was inauthentic. In Matthew 6, he looked at this group of Pharisees. He's like, don't be like those hypocrites who only pray so that other people will think they sound holy. Instead, be real and be yourself. It's interesting, the word we translate hypocrites in that passage in Greek literally means actor. It's the word for a stage actor who professionally pretends that they are someone they are not. Jesus says that's the exact opposite of what prayer is all about. Be you and be honest about everything that matters to you. Everything. Like sometimes we're afraid to be honest, but sometimes we're afraid to talk to God about what matters to us because we're pretty sure deep down it doesn't matter that much to him. Like he just couldn't care about it. So I don't want to bother him with my concerns, with my hurt, with, with my pain. And also I don't want him to be angry that I'm struggling. I think some of us have that fear based on a really messed up image of authority. But I promise you, that image looks nothing like our God. And in the book where he reveals himself to us, there's example after example after example of people who poured their hearts out to God about anything and everything. Big things, small things, insignificant things, major life things. And I want you to know, if Moses and Abraham and David and Peter and Paul and Jesus could do it, so can we. God actually invites us to do that. Philippians 4, 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's a pretty amazing promise in an anxious world. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So I want you to know this morning, there's nothing too small, nothing too insignificant, and nothing too broken to bring to God. Be honest about everything that matters to you and do it continually. God invites you to be in an open, ongoing conversation with him. And here's the crazy thing. In every other religion in the world, that's not possible. It's true. For thousands and thousands of years, religions have been built on this temple model where access to God or whatever concept of the divine they have is metered out by sacred men standing in sacred places saying sacred words. And so if you're not saying the right words, aimed in the right direction, at the right time of day, talking to the right priest or shaman, bringing the right sacrifice, then there is no way for you to be heard. But you guys, Jesus showed up on earth and killed the temple model. He said, no, 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 it doesn't work like that because that's not who God is. And it's not who he made you to be either. Like, it's easy to get caught up in this religious, ritualistic idea that prayer has to be the right words at the right times in the right spaces. But Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, that it's not like that. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like prayer is a lifestyle. It's a way of living and moving and being in the world in connection with God. And part of that looks like setting aside a specific time to connect with God every day. But part of it looks like you, with all your fears, 
and all your faults and all your failures, you being invited to connect to your creator in every moment of every day. So be honest about everything that matters to you continually and then listen for God's response. This one's a game changer, especially for busy Americans who aren't good at listening to anybody ever. But part of communication is listening. That's part of what God says we're built to do. I just think so many of us miss out on that whole part of it. We, we kind of treat prayer like it's leaving a voicemail in heaven. Right? We just call up, and we're like, God, I got a, a fairly big interview coming up. Could you just please help me get that job? Hope he gets the message. Or, God, I got a, a real big health situation going on with my grandma. Could you just, like, please heal her? Hang up. Hope he gets the message. And it's not bad to pray about those things. Please hear me on that. Keep praying those things and keep throwing them up to God, even if you don't have time to listen in any given moment. But it's no wonder we don't get fired up about praying because show of hands, who here gets excited when they have the chance to leave a voicemail? Anybody? Bueller? <laughs> like, now, there are moments when you have to make a phone call and you really don't want to talk to the person and they don't pick up. That's exciting. It's like, yes, my mom didn't answer. That's real. That's not what I'm talking about. Voicemails are lifeless because they're not relational. And so we got to stop voicemail praying because God is actually on the other end of the line. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about how he's the good shepherd and we are his sheep. And he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Part of following Jesus is listening to his voice. Part of having a meaningful, deep relationship with anybody is listening to their voice. Now, full disclosure, if you stop and listen for God's response, that doesn't necessarily mean audibly hearing him speak. We'll talk more about this later in the series, but it's never worked that way for me. And yet, I have been powerfully, meaningfully transformed by prayer, because listening is a necessary part of communicating with anybody. And it's the same thing with God. He will change your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your life if you give him time and space to communicate with you. Right, so prayer is communicating with a creator who wants to talk to you. And you do it by being honest about everything that matters to you continually and then listening for his response. What if you tried that this week? Like, what if we all just gave it a shot? Even if you're skeptical, even if you're sitting here thinking, Mike, you have to be wrong about some of that. What if we just did it for, for one week? What if you set aside a little bit of time and it doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be an hour a day, set aside eight and a half minutes a day, that's an hour this week, one hour out of your next 168. Set aside a little bit of time. Tell God what you're thinking. Tell God what you're feeling. Listen for him to respond. And then wait to see if he moves. Because it's like, what if? What if you've been feeling dry and lonely and abandoned and cast away because it really is difficult to live in this messed up world and the resource you need to find life and peace and hope is right there at your fingertips if you'll just open up the box. Like, what if? I think if we don't do this, we're going to miss out. There's something inside all of our souls as human beings that longs for more. It's just 
part of living in a shattered universe. And Jesus says he has more for us, but I really am convinced outside of a meaningful, passionate connection with him, we're never going to find that more. There's an old saying, like, if you want to be depressed, look back. If you want to be distracted, look around. If you want to be dismayed, look ahead. But if you want to be delivered, look up. The life and hope we need simply do not exist in this world outside of Jesus. I think if we don't start to make prayer a priority, we don't connect to the creator in the way he promises we were built to connect to him and a way that he promises brings life to us, we not only miss out on having hope, we miss out on bringing hope because we are surrounded every single day by a hurting and hopeless world, by people longing to breathe the oxygen of God's love, whether they know it or not. And the darkness around us seems to be getting ever darker by the day. But I don't think that's a reason to hit the panic button. Because the world can try to stop any of us from talking about God, but no one can ever stop us from talking to God about our world. And when we do that, he moves. That's who he is. He moves inside us and transforms us and allows us to live fully alive so that we can bring the hope the people we crash into need as we point them toward Jesus. And he moves in our world and changes the trajectory of the planet. And so, like, the creator invites you to talk to him. Will you take one step toward him this week and take him up on the offer? And just pray alongside me and we'll see what happens. Just think if we do, what we might find is the lives we long for and the difference we were put here to make. Will you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for caring enough about us, little insignificant us. With all of our flaws, with all of our struggles, with everything going on in our lives and in our world that constantly tells us we're unimportant and we don't matter and we're not worth caring about. Thank you for being a God who says that we do, who says we are worth caring about and who listens to us. And I pray, Lord, that, that we wouldn't keep that resource in the box any longer that you'd fill us with life and fill us with meaning and fill us with hope and connect us deeply with you so that we can live fully alive and we can go speak hope to a hopeless world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.